Good morning and welcome to Bethany Baptist Church. It is a joy to see each and every one of you this morning. Trust that you have had a, a good weekend so far. It's been a rainy weekend, uh, but uh, here for the Valley at least, right? Uh, but it's good to see you. I'm glad you made time on your Sunday morning to come out and be a part of the service. If you'd be so kind, let's stand to our feet. And we are officially in the Christmas season. So we're going to begin singing some Christmas songs this morning. Angels, we have heard on Hobbit. Let's lift our voices and worship together.
Baptist Church. We're so glad that you're here on this first Sunday of December, Christmas season. Glad that you're here this morning. take a few moments still to say hi to one another but while we're doing that i've got a few uh, last minute announcements here just want to remind you uh today is the last day we are doing our toy drive you'll see some boxes up here see some in the lobby uh, all of those boxes are going down to monterey mexico uh, our, our missionary brother Lisa will be using those as he hands those out to children in different uh, poor neighborhoods and he uses them as a tool uh, to share the gospel this christmas season and to bring joy to a child and so this is the last day uh today this evening uh, we'll be wrapping those up and then He's coming this week to be able to pick those up and take them down to Mexico. So I want to encourage each one of you, if not participated in that yet, make sure you do so. And then uh, a special announcement. I'm going to ask my wife, Miss Blandy, if you come up and share with us a little bit. I know ladies' meeting is uh, this uh, Saturday, and so I know there's some announcements about that as uh, we get ready for that. So let's, do, let's hear that. Good morning, everyone. I was telling him everything to say. He's like, can you just go up and say it because I'm going to forget. Uh, but this Saturday, we're having a special Glimpses of Grace uh, just Christmas celebration. And it's going to be at a, a place called Southern Roots. So it's a place where you're going to go and get your brunch. So you would order brunch, and we rented a little space for some of us. So uh, you're invited to go to that. It's called a Favorite Things Gift Exchange Party. And uh, what you do is you get three of your favorite things, $10 and under, and you take that to the party. We're going to have a fun gift exchange um, together and just enjoy some time of fellowship, and our Christmas party will be there. So I've got some of these, or you can also look up our page on Glimpses of Grace online on Facebook, and everything on the details are there. What I need is to be able to know how many of you will be able to go, because we do need to secure how many, um, you know, the space is for. I have it for like about 15, and so if you guys can go please text me this week um or miss rochelle as well and we'll kind of get together and make sure i've got the correct numbers that's the reason why i'm up here because we really do need a number probably like by wednesday so if y'all can join us uh we would have so much fun together and please text us and let us know i think no my number is not on here but um it's on the glimpses of grace facebook so i hope you guys can join us for that thank you all right, and so that'll be coming up this Saturday. Next, that same Saturday in the evening, the youth are having their Christmas caroling. Uh, that is at 5 o'clock. I think, Justin, the announcement is on there somewhere, but I believe it's at 5 o'clock here meeting at the church uh, for the Christmas caroling for the youth. And so, yes, uh, no, that's the Christmas party. Okay, um, uh, that is the following day. So next Sunday, there's also the youth Christmas party, and that'll be from 5 to 6.30. But I believe, if we're still correct, caroling is still uh, next Saturday of Mr. Jason, Brother Jason, uh, the youth leader. Caroline is also Sunday? The 8th? The 18th? 
Okay, following Sunday. We'll be caroling. Okay, so then there won't be caroling this uh, this Saturday. Okay, so it is the following Sunday. But there is a Christmas party this Sunday, the 11th. Christmas party this Sunday, the 11th, and so we invite all of you to participate in that. We start new classes today, okay? Uh, and I believe, uh, I don't remember if Pastor Jeremy's not here. Who's doing the English class? They might know who's doing the English class. I don't remember if, uh, who that is. I, uh, I know there is going to be an English class, so we do come. Uh, I invite you to the connection classes. Yes, I apologize. I'm not sure which one it is. But uh, my class will be in Spanish, so that doesn't help this uh, service. But it will be today at 5 o'clock. Youth, connect, uh, youth uh, group is taking place at the same time, as well as the kids' classes. So we invite you to come back. It's a great way to spend your Sunday evening growing in the Lord and continuing on with the fellowship one with another. Well, let's do this. Let's pray for the offering. I'm going to ask Brother Jason to lead us in a word of prayer for the offering. As you know, in this service, we don't pass the offering plate. You can go to the back uh, either now or at the end. A lot of you just give online, and you're able to do that during the worship time as well. And so we're going to go ahead and pray for the offering, and then after that, we'll continue to sing a wonderful, merciful Savior. Go ahead, Brother Jason. Let's pray. God in heaven, thank you so much for allowing us to be here this morning. We're thankful that you allowed us to uh, just come to your house and be able to worship you, be able to learn more uh, from your word. And Father, we encourage this morning. And uh, Father, as we do that, we ask also that you would just bless us as a church in our giving, in our worship of giving, Lord, that you would just uh, help us to continue to do that and be faithful in giving to uh, your work here, uh, Father, at the church. And Lord, we're just thankful for what uh, we've been able to see done throughout the ministry, and Lord, we ask you just uh, bless the giving this morning, and uh, Father, bless the remainder of the service. Uh, we just thank you and praise you for all that you've done. We're thankful for this season, and what we think about during this season, Lord, how you uh, gave your one and only Son for our salvation. Father, we just uh, thank you for that. Thank you for your love. We love you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Wonderful, merciful
Connections class in the Sunday evenings, so come for that Connection class. Well, this last song, prepare as we prepare our hearts for the message from Pastor Jeremy after this, uh, this time of worship. Christ, our hope in life and death. And uh, what a wonderful reality to rest in this uh, first Sunday of the month, reminding us that He is our hope. He is our hope in life and in death. So let's lift, lift our voices and sing, Christ, our hope in life and death.
you, Brother Samuel, Brother You may be seated. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to Galatians chapter number 6. And I know we're getting into the Christmas season, but uh, we are not done with Galatians. This will be the last message, can you believe it, in Galatians. It's only been like six months in the making, so we have arrived but Galatians chapter number six, and uh, as you're turning there, though, I do, uh, I do want to ask for uh, a prayer request that was mentioned to me right before the service uh, for Riley. Uh, I don't know how many remember um, that we prayed earlier this year uh, for this baby. Uh, she is the great, great granddaughter, I want to say, or great, great, just the great, just one great, one great, great granddaughter of uh, the Ganaways, and um, she'd been battling uh, her health since she was born, and um, and for a little while, it looked like she was doing really well, and um, and so they had sent her back home from the hospital, and uh, she was doing great for, for a few months there, but um, uh, this this past week, she, she got pneumonia, and so she's fighting that, and uh, the doctors are giving the baby medicine, because she can't cough, she can't get any of her lungs to, of course, shoot that out on her own, and uh, and so they're working uh, on her, and so I just want to take a moment, uh, if we could, this morning to pray for her, uh, and as I said, just I want you to, I would ask for you to be praying throughout the week uh, for Riley and her parents um, as, they, as they go through this together as a family, uh, that God would put his hand of healing on the baby. Uh, and if he, God so chooses, then, uh, then Riley's going to be just fine. Uh, but sometimes, um, God's got different plans than our plans. And so whatever God's plans are, we want to just, uh, um, be ready to accept and follow and, um, and trust. And our, our faith, um, really is, is not tested in the good times of life, our fa- our faith is tested in the in the in the tragedies and difficulties of life, the difficult circumstances. And so, we certainly want to pray for Riley and her health, but we also want to pray for her parents and uh, the Ganaways' faith during this time. So, let's take a moment before we jump into our study this morning uh, to pray. Father, I I ask as we come before you this morning for a prayer request that we've asked before. We pray for Riley this morning. Father, you know the uh, complications with her health that she is facing today. Father, you've been so good in uh, in her life as to allow her to overcome other health issues that she's had in her um, in her short life. And and Father, you've you've allowed her to uh, get to a point where she didn't have to be in the hospital anymore. She could go home and. Uh, just enjoying some of the the beauties and wonders of life itself, but Father, you've allowed this pneumonia to to come into her body, and and so Father, we pray that uh, you put your hand of healing on her. Pray that your presence would be with her. Uh, we claim the promise of your word that says, "I will never leave thee nor forsake thee." Your word promises that the children, uh, the kingdom of heaven, is for the children of this world. And, and Father, we, we pray that you, would, um, that you would be with Riley in a special way. And Father, though she cannot perhaps express uh, that feeling 
of your presence, yet we pray that it would be there nonetheless and that she would feel that and know it. Then I pray for the faith of her parents and grandparents and great-grandparents. Father, I can imagine how it feels to go through something so difficult to, to, to be in a situation, Father, where you feel powerless to do anything. And yet, Father, it is in those times when our faith can be made strong. It's in those times of weakness when we can recognize and understand and see your power manifested. And so, Father, I pray that you would be with their faith. I pray that you would strengthen their faith. I ask that you would give them not only strength to endure, but the hope, the hope that we have in you, that that hope would be what brings comfort at a time like this. And, and, uh, and Father, be with the doctors as they are trying to do their very best to uh, treat uh, the pneumonia. I pray that what they prescribe and what they do would have a, a right kind of effect. And uh, and then, Father, I just pray that you would uh, show yourself mighty through all of this. Uh, for it is in the circumstances of life that we can give you honor and glory. And, and so, Father, we, we pray that you would just show yourself as you are a God of grace and mercy during this time. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Galatians chapter number 6, and uh, we're going to be studying from verse 11 all the way to the end, verse number 18, and be concluding our study in this short letter of Paul to the church at Galatia. Galatians chapter 6, verse 11 to verse 18. Let me just say as we start our study this morning that every Christian ought to be distinguished. They ought to be different in every aspect that matters. Now, let me just say that I'm not talking about our outward appearance, you know, what we wear, how we look at church and how we talk. And I'm not talking about that. I'm saying that every Christian in the areas that matter, the areas that are important to God, the areas that God highlights that says this is what makes you different, we ought to be distinguished in those areas. We ought to be different in our conduct, in our goals, and in our desires. We, 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 we may all have that saving faith that is found in Jesus Christ, but now that faith, the way it works itself out in our life, ought to make us distinguished. I was looking up this week um, some information on diamonds, and if you're familiar at all with diamonds, you know they're made of carbon from immense pressures and temperatures. And, um, and diamonds are obviously very rare, very rare. Uh, that's why they're so costly. That's why they're so expensive if you want to buy a, a diamond ring or necklace or anything that has diamond stones. You know that it's one of the most costliest stones that you can buy. Now, even though all diamonds are made of carbon, not all are cut the same. All right, now, ladies might know this better than us men, but there's like the princess cut, the emerald cut, the round cut, the cushion cut, the radiant cut. You say, how do you know that? I wrote them down. I just looked them up. I, I, I would not have known that before. All diamonds made of carbon, but they're not all cut the same. Now, all Christians come to a saving knowledge in Jesus Christ. We are all saved by grace alone in Christ alone. 
but we are, we're distinguished, we're different, we're, we're cut differently, and God's got different plans for us, and, and it's, it's a very distinguished and different and distinct kind of life that you'll live as a Christian. Now, as you get to the end of this letter, you'll find that Paul's final words are a little distinct than what he would normally say. If you read the letter to the Philippians or the letter to the Romans, you'll find that in the last couple chapters, Paul's usually saying hi to different people, different leaders or pastors in the church, and he's giving them the salutations and, and, uh, and just kind of uh, letting them know how much he misses them and how much he loves them. But here in this letter to the church of Galatia, he doesn't do that at all. It's, it's very different. It's almost an abrupt end to the letter. Uh, he just gives a concluding message and then puts it in their hands and says, listen, I've shared what God has laid in my heart to share with you. And there you go. Notice how what he writes. I want you to see. He notice, he, he, he writes this, verse 11, Galatians 6, verse 11. See ye, uh, ye see, I'm sorry, how large a letter I have written unto you with mine own hand. As many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, they constrain you to be circumcised, only lest they should suffer persecution for the cross of Christ. For neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised that they may glory in your flesh. But God forbid that I should glory save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. As many as walk according to this rule, peace be on them and mercy upon the Israel of God. From henceforth, let no man trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. A quick conclusion to this letter. Six verses here that he leaves, or seven, with a specific message. Message kind of summarizing what he's already said, but then also a challenge to those in Galatia to live now what has been shared with them, uh, to live a spirit-filled life. And I love that in verse number 11, before he gives that concluding message, he he gives this verse that is, uh, it's a verse where, He's pointing out something. He's, he's trying to say, look how, um, how important what I'm about to tell you is. Uh, when, you, when you see the phrase, <coughs> excuse me, <clears throat> when you see the phrase, you see how large a letter, he's not talking about how many chapters or a long letter that he's written. Uh, most, uh, most scholars believe that a better translation might be, how large letters I'm writing to you, like, like all caps. He's, he's kind of saying, and whenever you ha- see something in all caps, usually it's because it's important, right? If it says, do not enter a sign, it's usually all in capital letters or uh, poison. They'll put it all in capital letters. And capital letters is to, to show the reader, this is important. What I'm about to say, look, this label and this message is very important. And Paul says that on the concluding of this letter, he says, I've written this, and I want you to see it. And there are three distinguishing characteristics that he kind of shares in this last message. Number one, he's going to share a warning. Number two, he's going to share about a walk. And number three, he's going to share a wish that he has. All right, a warning, a walk, 
and a wish. So let's study that really quick. Number one, let's notice the warning that he starts with in verse number 12. He kind of summarizes in this, uh, in this verse the truth that he's been uh, sharing with the Galatians. And number one, it's this, don't fall for religious pridefulness. He said, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh, and he's talking about these Judaizers that were, that were trying to get them to get circumcised. He says, I want you to understand, they're, they're telling you to, to do these works, uh, and they're constraining you. That means they're persuading you, they're putting pressure on you, uh, because they don't want to suffer for the message of the cross. They, they don't want to suffer for what they think is foolishness. They, they want you uh, to follow after this religious uh, practices, this religious good works. He, he's saying that they're, they're, they're pressuring you to do that. And he's saying, do not fall for that. Uh, the reason for them doing this, he says, is just so that they can have some pride of look what they're doing. Look what's happening as a result of our message, of our work. Uh, it, it was all about putting on a good show. That's why he says at the beginning of the verse, notice it one more time, as many as desire to make a fair show in the flesh. In other words, they're just, it, it was something that was feeding their pride. Uh, the, the pride of these false teachers, these Judaizers was this, I want to control your life. I'm going to tell you how you can eat, what you can eat, what you ought to look like, what you ought to do. And, and this, I'm going to tell you what's acceptable to God. And if I don't say it, then don't believe it and don't follow it. It was all about feeding their pride. Right? It, was, it was all these religious practices to make them, these teachers, these false teachers, feel important. Right? It was all about their pride and feeding their pride. And Paul said, look, I've, I've shared Everything that I've shared in this letter with you, it's like I'm going to call attention and remind you, that is pride. It's, it's nothing more, those religious works is nothing more than pride. Don't follow them in that. They're putting pressure on you to do that and live that way uh, because they don't want to follow the message of the cross. They're not for the gospel. They're against the gospel. The message of the gospel is all about Christ and his work. It's all about crucifying ourselves, our flesh, our desires, our sin to the cross. And he says, these teachers, these Judaizing teachers, it's all about pride. It's all about feeding their own pride. It's all about controlling you. It's just for them. He says, don't, don't fall for that. In a similar situation, he writes to the church at Corinth, and I put this in your notes, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. Oh, don't worry. We wouldn't dare say that we are as wonderful as these other men who tell you, and he's being a little sarcastic when he writes this, how important they are. But they are only comparing themselves with each other, using, using themselves as the standard of measurement. How ignorant. Paul said, this is nothing new. At the church at Corinth, many were doing the same thing, comparing themselves among themselves. And Paul says, that's not wise. That's not the Christian life. So he tells the church at Galatia, listen, I'm going to write this in all caps. Those that are telling you that you need to be circumcised and putting this pressure, that you've got to do all these good works so God will be pleased with you, it's nothing more 
than for them to feel or feed their pride. They just want to control your life. They have nothing to do with the gospel. It's nothing to do with the message that God has for you of him coming and dying. It has nothing to do with that. So flee from that. Secondly, uh, in his warning, in verse number 13, he says, don't fall for religious hypocrisy. So first of all, pride. <coughs> Excuse me. First of all, it's pride. Secondly, it's the hypocrisy. It says in verse 13, for neither they themselves who are circumcised keep the law, but desire to have you circumcised. Why? That they may glory in your flesh. The, the hypocrisy of what they were teaching and what they're pressuring the, the, the church at Galatia to do, one was to feed their pride, and two, they were nothing more than hypocrites in what they said. You know, if somebody is wrong, but at least they believe it and they act upon it, you can have a certain amount of respect for it, right? I, I can have a certain amount of respect uh, for that Muslim man that uh, gets on his prayer rug and, and prays uh, towards Mecca. I think he's totally wrong. According to the Bible, that's not how you find forgiveness, and that's not who God is, and that's not a true God. Allah is not a true God. But I have at least some respect that they believe it enough to actually practice it in their life. Paul was saying, look at these Judaizers, they're asking you to do something they're not even doing in their life. Uh, they're, they're very prideful. They're feeding their pride with what they're teaching you. And you can see the hypocrisy clearly in their life. You, you notice that what they're saying is not what they're living. Uh, they, they're, they're talking about, well, listen, if you want to be a part of the true Israel and the, and the true promised people of God, then, then you've got to do these certain things and eat these certain things and have these certain works in your life. And Paul said, that's not what the gospel says. That's not what Jesus taught. Avoid that hypocrisy. Be careful. There's a warning that Paul says. Listen, I'm telling you one more time. He's saying, be careful with the pride that comes with a religious life. Be careful with the hypocrisy that comes out with that religious life. Secondly, he talks about a walk. A walk. When you get to verse number 14, he says, but God forbid that I should glory. Paul said, listen, I'm not, I'm not sharing this to feed my pride. Notice I'm not sharing with you something that I'm not doing in my life. He says, <coughs> God forbid I should glory, save in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom the world is crucified unto me, and I unto the world. Paul is concluding with this to encourage the Galatian Christians to walk in a way that defines them rightly. To walk in a spirit-filled manner. Now, how is that manifested in itself? How, how, how does someone do that? How do you walk in that way? Well, well Paul shares that in verse 14, 15, and 16. Number one, he says, in the light of the cross. He said, I, I can tell you, here's why I can tell you that what I'm teaching you isn't for my, my pride, because I'm teaching you about someone else's work, not my work. And, and number two, I'm, I'm teaching you something that I've lived, uh, something that I, I've not only proclaimed, but something that I practice in my life. And that is living in the light of the message of the cross. You see, Paul reminds the Galatian church that their lives should be marked or distinguished by the cross. 
Paul had lived by the cross as he came to a saving knowledge of Jesus. The cross became his response to the world and the world's response to him. Notice, I, I love the way he describes it. Just You can underline this in the Bible if you want. But it says, by whom the world is crucified unto me and I unto the world. How did, how did he glory in the cross? By applying and living in the light of the cross. His response to the world. See, when worldliness, temptation came into his life, and hey, you ought to live this way. Yeah, you ought to live for money. You ought to live for fame. You ought to, you ought to live and, and make sure that, that people are always well beneath you. You're above them. This, the worldliness mindset, hey, it's all about what I can get for myself. Whoever ends the life with the most toys wins. Wrong. But worldliness will teach you that. And here's what Paul said. You know, when that temptation comes into my life, I have to say I crucified that thinking. <coughs> I don't live for that anymore. There was a time that I did live for that when it was all about status. You know how, you know why he could warn them so much about the religious people that were feeding their pride? Because Paul lived that life. You know why he said the motive for why they're doing that is to feed their pride and so they can glory in what they're doing? He said, because that's what I used to do when I was them. See, Paul was a Pharisee. He used to be a Judaizer. He used to constrain. In fact, he used to take people to prison if they didn't follow what he was saying. And he said, it was all about feeding my pride and my status. And I was nothing but a hypocrite, I found. He said, so then when the, the, the gospel came into my life, it changed everything. And now I'm living in the light of the cross. So worldliness comes in, I say, I've crucified that. When, when the thought uh, of the flesh comes in and, and begins to tempt with, with something sinful, whether it be idolatry or, or whether it be uh, something of, of hatred or anger or lasciviousness, Paul said, I've crucified that. I've crucified the world to me. I've crucified the flesh in my life. I, I've had to do away with that. Living in the light of the cross is knowing there are some things in my life that I've got to put to death. I can't feed. So Paul says, there's a warning in a religious life that is wrong. And your response to that ought to be a right walk. That right walk starts with living in the life or in the light of the cross. You see, when the world felt threatened by the message of the cross, it would persecute and malign those who lived by it. Simply because Paul was saying, you can't save yourself. You can't save or get God's favor by, by the good works that you do. It's only by the work of Christ on the cross. Because that was his message, they hated him. By the way, not a whole lot has changed in about 2,000 years. Put on your Facebook, Jesus is the only way, and see what happens. Anybody else see the, uh, the news with the uh, Celtics head coach? They asked him about the royal family that went to the Celtics game. And he said, Mary, Mary Joseph, and Jesus? And they said, no, 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 the, uh, you know, the, the, the prince of uh, Wales and, and his wife. He said, I, I don't know, I didn't see them. I'm only aware of one royal family. Of course, everybody in the newsroom was kind of laughing at that. And he goes, seriously, I, I really don't know the, the royal family too much. But I hope they're Celtics fans, he said. 
than ended the thing. You got on Twitter, you could see the barrage of people who were just like, how dare you? We're still persecuted for the name of Christ. And Paul simply said this. He just said, living in the light of the cross, I've nailed the world, right? The world's nailed me. Living for Jesus, not as easy as it sounds sometimes. Having a walk of faith, not as easy as it sounds. But Paul says, walk that walk, because it's worth it. Then we see not only to live in the light of the cross, though for some it is shame. It brings them shame, yet Paul said, I'm not ashamed of it. I love what he says in Philippians 3, before I get to the second. Philippians 3, 2 and 3, put this in your notes. For the New Living Translation, he put, watch out for those dogs, those people who do evil. Those mutilators who say you must be circumcised to be saved. That's the people he's talking about in Galatia. He says, for we who worship by the Spirit of God are the ones who are truly circumcised. We rely on what Christ Jesus has done for us. We put no confidence in human effort. There's a walk here. To live in light of the cross, that's what he did. And number two, in light of a new life. In light of a new life. Notice that he says in verse 15, For in Christ Jesus neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision, but a new creature. He reminded the Galatian Christians that it's not the external that God looks upon to give his favor, but the internal. The only thing that matters if we want God to hear us and show us his favor is, are you in Christ? Not what religion do you belong to? Not what church are you a member of? Are you in Christ or not? That's what he means by new creature. In fact, Paul would use the same term in 2 Corinthians 5.17 when he wrote that letter. He put, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There it is again. A new creation. He's talking about salvation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Salvation by grace alone in Christ alone leads to a life of faith. Not works. It leads to a walk of faith and being spirit-filled, not a walk of being uh, religious and doing good works. It's not a life of following the law, but a life that follows faith and grace. And that's what ought to define the life. That's what ought to mark the cut in your life. So we see a warning that Paul says to avoid. He's See a walk that he says should define you. And then notice in verse 17 and 18, the wish. His final concluding words reveal kind of his desire for the Galatians Christians as well as for himself. He desires, number one, for them to be a clear follower of Christ. <coughs> well, the Judaizers had tried to teach that by being circumcised, you would become a, a true part of God's family. And have his favor, Paul showed that the markings of God are not found in ritualistic religious practices. They were saying, hey, if you get circumcised, then you're part of God's family and you have his favor. Paul said, that's not where the markings lie. And so many times our world wants to define it that way. Well, a Christian is someone that goes to church. Listen, a Christian is not someone that goes to church. 
Oh, a, a Christian is, is one who reads the Bible. One who reads the Bible is not a Christian. It's not what defines what a Christian is. A Christian is defined by, does that person have faith in Jesus Christ? In Him alone? Has that person asked Jesus to forgive them of their sins? Do they have faith that when Jesus died on the cross, He died for their sins? Do they believe that? They accepted Jesus as their Savior. That's what defines a Christian. And Paul says, I, I, I want to just, here's my desire, Church at Galatia. Listen, don't, don't try to let good works define you. Let Christ define you. If Christ defines you, you will do good works. But you need to be in Christ. Be a clear follower of Christ. I go back to the church of Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians 4, 8 there in your notes. Because just as in Galatia where he had been, where Paul had been beaten for taking the gospel message to those there, Corinthians was much the same in the city of Corinth. And notice what he says and he writes, We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. That's why he says that. From henceforth, let no man, verse 17, trouble me, for I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Listen, we, we don't need to be arguing about, should you be circumcised or not? Should you do this or not? He said, listen, put those arguments away. The markings, the markings are here. They're in here. The markings are seen when you live in the light of the cross. As I have done. You might be persecuted for it, yes. But people will see it. People will see the markings in you living a different kind of life. A, a new life. One that has different desires and goals. One that's not living the way that the world says, this is what living is all about. This is what success is. No. You know, the Bible has a definition for success, and it's very different from the world's. The world's definition many times of success is, hey, how many people you got working under you? You got success. Jesus said, hey, how many people are you working for? Your success. It's just different. Paul said, the markings I bear in my body from being defined by that kind of walk. Then notice his second wish, and that is to have a spirit-filled life. Verse 18, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Amen. The markings of God are found in obedience to his word by living in the power of his spirit. This final verse describes both Paul's ingredient for a spirit-filled life and his love for those in Galatia. He views them as family. He says, brethren, I know y'all been fighting. I know you've been doubting me. I know you've been criticizing my ministry, but you're still my brothers, and I still love you. He said, I'm just going to correct your thinking, and, and he wrote this whole letter to, to show why it's not works that God matters to God, but a life of faith that matters to God. At the end of writing this whole letter, sometimes pretty direct, sometimes almost harshly, at the end, he still says, but brethren, the grace of God be with you. 
views them as that family and that love. He's not abandoned them. He's not forsaken them. He's just reminded them, hey, we're family. I've told you this because I love you. He shares his greatest desire, and that's that the grace of God would move them in a way that they would live by that grace. Don't, Don't live by these good works. Live by grace. I'll say this one more time. A life of grace produces good works. But good works will never produce a life of grace. A life of grace will produce good works. But a life full of good works will never produce a life of grace. It's impossible. It only flows one way. And that was Paul's message. His last message was simply this. Guys, live a life of grace. Family, brethren, live a life of grace. May that life be what marks your walk. And just stay away from a religious, routine kind of life. This morning we close this book. But as we close it, can I ask, can I ask you a question? What is distinguishing you this morning? If you're a diamond, what is your cut? Is it a life striving to have control over others through pride and hypocrisy? Or is it more than that? And what defines your life? Let me warn you this morning as Paul warned those in Galatia. You don't find joy and peace that way. Making Christianity your choice of religion. It's not a way you find joy. Over Thanksgiving, I was talking with someone about that. Trying to help her understand. She was complaining about religion and the problems she sees. And I said, I'm with you on that. She was talking about pastors and she was joking about me. And then, and then, uh, but she was saying, but you know, but seriously, some of, some of these pastors, some of these churches, man, they just rob people blind. And I said, yeah, I agree with you. That's why you can't follow a religion, even if that religion is Christianity, because it's still religion. I said, what you need is a relationship. And the Bible talks about a relationship with God. Well, I, I think God's important in my life, you know, but I don't think I have to go to church every, every Sunday to prove that. Hey, I don't think you have to either, but you make sure that you have a right relationship with God. You sure you have a relationship with God? By that time, she changed the subject, and we never got to t- talk about it again. I hope I have a, an opportunity to do that later down the road, but it's so important. She didn't know that what she was saying exactly what the Bible says. Yeah, you're right. Religion doesn't save anyone, but a relationship with Christ does. How about your walk? What defines your walk? Is it the cross? Because if it is, what did you cross crucify this week? Was there something that you needed to? Or how about this? How much were you crucified this week? How, how much was thrown at you, maybe at work, about what Christmas is all about? Okay. You know, sometimes for our faith, we're just going to have to endure that. 
Sometimes you're just going to get made fun of for being a pastor. Oh, well. Sometimes you get made fun of for just praying at lunch. Okay. That's the life of the cross. It's the life that is made new through Christ. It's just, it touches everything in every area. But is that what is defining you? That defines your walk. Or what is it that you're wishing? Paul said, brethren, I wish for the grace of God to fill you. I wish for you to have goals that reflect that grace. That means your goals are going to look different than the world's. People are going to think a little bit funny. Listen, you seniors in high school, there's something a little bit funny about. You don't want to go get a scholarship at Harvard? Okay. If it comes that way, great. And if it doesn't, great. More to life than Harvard. More to life than some paper on the wall that you went to this school. Listen, there's something greater than that. And it's hard for the world to understand that that matters. Well, you're not going to get your kids in this? No, it's okay. They want to play, sure. If they don't, fine. There's something greater than that. Let's not be so consumed with what the world is telling us that we ought to live by and the way we ought to live that we forget the life of grace. Paul said, brethren, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. This is my desire for me. It's my desire for you. It's God's desire for you to be cut that way. Just a different kind of cut. So I'll just end this study and this letter with that. That warning, that walk, and that wish that Paul had, and it's for us today. May God help us to live a distinguished life. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and for your truth. Father, this book, it's just a short book, six chapters. But the depth and wealth of wisdom that was found in it, Father, moves our soul. It moves us to a closer walk and a greater view of you. Father, I pray that as we think of the freedom and the liberty that we have in Christ, we would see that that liberty is more than some religious life. In fact, it has nothing to do with a religious life. But it has everything to do with a life that is, has a walk and a relationship with you that is real. It makes us different. It distinguishes us from others. So, Father, help us to, to live that kind of life. As a piano plays, just quickly, perhaps this morning you're saying, you know, Pastor, that's what I want. I want a walk that is real, and I, I just wanted the desire to live a life of grace and spirit-filled. And would you just pray for me? I want to. I want to apply some of this truth. I don't want to fall in the trap of just religion and routine in my church. I, I, I really want to live a life that is growing in my relationship with Christ. Would you just pray for me? If there's someone like that, say, Pastor, just pray for me. Anything like that, God bless you. I see that. God bless you. God bless you. I see that. God bless you. 
I'm with you. Perhaps there's here, someone's here that's never accepted Jesus as their personal Savior. You haven't been made new. You haven't even started a relationship with Christ. And today, that's the decision you need to make. Is there anyone here that says, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want to start a relationship with Jesus. I've been living a religious life, but I need a relationship with Jesus. I need to be saved. I've just never been saved. Does anyone like that? Raise their hand. Let's pray. Father, my hand was lifted with those that raised their hand today. Closer walk and better desires in life is what we want. Higher goals. Be with us to do that. Keep us away from any kind of religious and routine kind of life when it comes to our Christian walk. Help us to apply and remember these truths. We have been made free. Only we don't want to use our liberty as an occasion of the flesh and to live however we want. Help us to live in freedom. Help us to walk by the Spirit and in the power of the Spirit because that's how free you've made us to be. Lord, may we be different us in Jesus' precious name. Amen. I'm going to ask if you would to stand and let's sing our last song this morning. Song Cornerstone.